comes from the seventh chapter of Matthew, from towards the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Hear these words. Jesus says, Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain came, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built a house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It fell and was completely destroyed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Don't talk about politics or religion, many of us heard in some way or another growing up. We knew that our craziest socialist uncle was going to be at Thanksgiving. You heard that grandpa was still using racial slurs that have been inappropriate for well over 50 years. But what did we learn? Uh, pass the potatoes, please. So, uh, how about Coach K retiring? Have you seen In the Heights? Many of us learned that because we would have disagreement, we would avoid talking about politics, especially with our families. Perhaps that reached its boiling point over the last five years. The rhetoric around politics is at an all-time high. We are told that the stakes for every election and every issue are the most important ever. I've talked to so many of you who have felt torn apart from family and friends in the past years because of politics. And usually not because of a massive disagreement or blow-up. It's typically because we feel isolated from one another when they don't see eye to eye with us. So we begin avoiding topics, and then sometimes avoiding the relationships altogether. Relationships then stay at surface level. Sports, entertainment, and even weather become the topics of conversation. But here's the problem. We are talking politics as much as ever. We are just only talking with the people we feel safe discussing our politics with the people with whom we agree. So today we are going to make this assumption. You have relationships in your families and friendships where people disagree politically. We feel and know in our hearts that the division that our avoidance is causing is destructive to our relationships and to our very souls. When Jesus tells this story of the wise and foolish builders, he is talking in a way we clearly understand. The question that Jesus is asking is this, what is your foundation? In our world today, it feels like many people have determined that their foundation is their political party or their foundation is being right. It can feel overwhelming and overpowering, like this should maybe be all of our foundation as well. But Jesus says that whoever hears his words and puts them into practice is like the one who builds on the rock. Everything these past five years has felt tenuous and off balance. Like everything that we knew could crumble at once. Friends, we know what to build on. 
And I'm not going to simply tell you to just make your foundation Jesus and everything will be okay. Rather, we are going to talk about three words today that are the foundations that Jesus embodied and taught, even when it comes to talking politics. The first word is this, perspective. By perspective, we might say, this is not the most important thing. The problem with most of our political discourse and conversation today is this. It presumes that political identity is the most important thing about us. Like which party we voted for is our defining marker. Perspective says this. Politics are one thing among many that make up someone. The place and position of politics has grown exponentially, seemingly following the rise of cable news, then the internet, and social media. Politics and government have come to occupy this primary space, then, in our worldviews. They are the cause of every problem that we have, especially if the side we don't like is in power. And politics are also the sole solution of every problem that we have, especially if our candidate is running for office. This places undue weight upon politics and the government that it is not meant to shoulder. To have perspective means that we recognize that many institutions make up the fabric of our nation and world. The government sometimes responds better and sometimes responds worse to the problems at hand. But government alone cannot fix everything, and government alone cannot ruin everything. No political party is perfect, and no political ideology is the most important thing in life. I believe this to my very core, I do. But over the past five years, it becomes so easy to get sucked into the dominant way of thinking in our country. The idea that there is no way I could have a close relationship with someone who voted for him. So we feel isolated from some of our closest relationships. It is hard to combat because our news feeds and our talk radio do not have perspective. Perspective means finding ground, common ground with one another. It means remembering that our uncle or cousin or grandmother or son has way more to them than their political affiliation. We can share a common faith and see politics differently. We can share family stories. We can share hobbies. We can share a love for music or entertainment. These things that bind us together are larger than our political preference. They give texture to our relationships They remind us that the Obama Hope poster or the Make America Great Again red hat are not the only things that define someone. This perspective is what allows us to enter into these conversations differently. Rather than being evangelists for whatever cause or party, we can enter with compassion and love and curiosity. We don't have to change the outcome of the conversation we probably will walk away still believing what we believed and the other person what they believed. But we can change the conversation and its tone. This is the perspective of love. Once we have perspective and see that this is not the most important or at least not the only thing, then we can practice the second word, grace. By grace, I mean this, move toward one another. In her book, The Space Between Us, Sarah Bauer Anderson recounts her own family's work at overcoming political divides. She writes, what if instead of running from the ideas and the people who hold those ideas that aren't like our own, we moved in their direction, extending grace 
into the space between us. You can picture the image of the space between us because you probably feel it with someone you care about. This space is painful. We mourn relationships that seem lost in this space. And instead of allowing that space to grow larger and more cavernous, what if we could intentionally step toward the other person with grace and kindness? It requires a lot. It will require us to put away our weapons. It will require us to listen. Grace is seeing the dignity of the other humans we are talking to. It means seeing the image of God in the person with whom we vehemently disagree. We, my friends, are stewards of God's grace all the time, everywhere. We uphold the dignity of each other as humans created in God's image. It's not like we get to turn that off when we have political conversations. But how often we do. The last thing we hear from the right or left, and even from the quote-unquote Christian sources, is grace. Rather, it's like once we enter the arena of politics, all rules are off and everything is allowed. Grace means that our convictions matter. They are the house that we are building. But the foundation that we have matters even more. The foundation is the posture with which we hold our convictions. Are we building our relationships upon grace? Or are we alienating the people we love with our need to be right? And this grace that we seek to offer and live within is not just for in-person conversation. No, we also need grace when living online. So much of our social media conversation is instant. We feel like we just have to speak up, and then we do. But oftentimes we just add to the darkness in the world by doing so. We aren't changing anyone's minds by our post. Instead, we often are ungracefully blasting something so that it receives more likes and more favorites. Social media is not built for grace-filled dialogue. We might start conversations of grace by refusing to first engage in online warfare. All too often, people will say things and write things there that they would never do to a person's face. Perhaps when we see someone write something that we absolutely cannot believe, a better approach is to call them, offer a time to meet, and to ask them questions with grace. As we train ourselves to have perspective and to enter our conversations with grace, we find our next essential ingredient for this foundation that Jesus lays, nuance. By nuance, I mean that people and issues are complex. Our two-party system and the media that accompanies it has all but destroyed the notion of nuance. Nuance means that someone can believe one thing Democrats believe and another thing that Republicans believe. Nuance means that some, on some issues we land in the middle, a position that has nearly disappeared. Nuance means that sometimes there are five sides to an issue, not just two. Maturity in our emotional and spiritual life means growing more comfortable with gray area. It means being more okay with the notion that I don't know is an acceptable answer. When we are in that position, we are able to offer grace because our own positions are nuanced. 
When we can see ourselves with this grace, it helps us to see other people's seemingly contradictory positions with more grace. Because they too are complex people. And the issues that get presented to us as black and white, conservative or liberal, are often way more nuanced than they seem. In their book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, Sarah Stewart Holland and Beth Silver say it this way, You can believe in gun control and care about the Second Amendment. You can acknowledge the existence of man-made climate change and God. You can be against drug use and pro-legalization. You can pray every night and believe prayer in school is problematic. We can and should examine our positions and allow for depth in both our own perspectives and the perspectives of others. End quote. This is nuance, not always towing the party line, but being okay with complexity. In Isaiah 58, Isaiah offers both a condemnation of the religious establishment of his day and a vision for what God's kingdom world looks like. Hear these words again of Isaiah, starting in verse 6. Isn't this the fast I choose, releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them and not hiding from your own family? If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger pointing the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noon. Nuance means that when talking with fellow Christians, we are both able to recognize that we are trying to reach for the same thing. This vision of Isaiah 58 is part of what we are striving for as Christians in the world. Not that we will perfectly reach this vision, but we have a responsibility to care for those in need. Nuance recognizes that when discussing an issue as polarizing as health care, that our reason why can be the same. A faithful Democrat and a faithful Republican both want to see quality health care at an affordable price for their loved ones. Nuanced responses understand that indeed, the health care system is not functioning properly in our country and its prices are out of control. And that recognizes that state-controlled medicine may not be the best approach. When the jerseys are on, and we think we're on the playing field, we forget that we're on the same team of trying to make life better for our fellow citizens. This is why our nation's response to COVID-19 has been so discouraging at times. Caring for one another and public health should not be political issues. The hard part about nuance is that it requires some discomfort. For sometimes we like the, conver the polarization of black and white. It makes situations more complex when we have nuance. It means that neither political party is the scapegoat or the savior. The only way forward in this place of nuance is to commit ourselves to kindness. It means that along with grace and perspective, we can have difficult conversations where there is not always a clear winner and we are all better for it. Brothers and sisters, I believe we can do this, that we can choose in our lives, to do this, to be better than we are. But we cannot live like this and change our conversations by just wanting to. Rather, it takes practice. For it is countercultural to have perspective, grace, and nuance today. 
My hope today is that Jesus gives us the power by the Holy Spirit to see one another with perspective, grace, and nuance. My prayer is that we would catch ourselves when we are about to go off on someone for being such a blind idiot. And I hope and pray earnestly that we would be able to move with grace toward those we love and disagree with instead of moving farther and farther away. May God heal your families and relationships. And may God use you to do it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. to stand and respond with the words of the Apostles' Creed as we proclaim our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.